0: Hi, this is Bill Prater, and welcome to Business Builder Show, where we showcase entrepreneurs and business owners who have excelled at their respective niches from all over the planet. Our mission is to provide you with timely, provocative, and actionable resources that inspire, promote, and accelerate your quest for business excellence. Today, we're going to learn how to build a seven-figure business from scratch, and we're going to do that with Alinka Rutkowska. And Alinka is the CEO of Leaders Press, which is leaderspress.com, a USA Today and Wall Street Journal best selling press, where she creates books for entrepreneurs from scratch and launches them into best sellers with a 100% success rate. She runs a hybrid publishing house with traditional distribution through Simon & Schuster, through through which more than 500 entrepreneurs have been able to share their stories with the world. 172 of her authors have become USA Today and Wall Street Journal best-selling authors. She's been featured in Forbes, Entrepreneur Magazine, Entrepreneurs on Fire, and numerous other outlets throughout the planet. Her mission is to help 10,000, probably 100,000, but at least 10,000 entrepreneurs share their wisdom with the world in the next eight years. Alinka, it's fantastic to have you here with us.
1: Well, thank you, Bill. It's a pleasure to be here with you. And we should probably add that I managed to to pull it off with two kids. You might hear swimming in the background. They're 10 and 7. So you can actually do that.
0: Yes, you can actually do Well, at least some people on the planet can.
1: Mm, can be challenging, mm. but definitely doable.
0: So I know that you've uh, carved out a very unique business. Uh, so describe to us specifically, uh, Alinka, who you serve.
1: My audience that we like to help is entrepreneurs who are either looking to further grow their business for it to be even more successful and to have even more clients or entrepreneurs who are looking to leave a legacy and to share their wisdom with the world, to have something that will live on after they're gone.
0: So uh, Alinka entrepreneurs get all kinds of pressure on doing all sorts of things. And you described, you know, some aspirations they have. Tell us what problems this audience of yours shares, and if you will, getting the word out, what are the problems that they have that you and your organization solve? The
1: major problem is the problem of uh, um, authority and credibility. So many times we get entrepreneurs who have you know, a phenomenal business, but they've noticed that their competitors are authors, And so they might be getting some more business just because their author is not necessarily because of any, you know, huge difference in the services provided, but in the eyes of the prospect, the author has more authority. So, you know, at this time, it's no longer super exclusive to be able to have a book. Traditional publishing isn't the only way to get in. So it's almost as if there were no more excuses, you know, not to have a book. And that's one of the big problems that people come with. Another one is to have a lead, well, a lead generation tool. So there might be, they might have a webinar or a live event or something that people download when uh, they put in their email in a subscriber uh, pop-up. But the book is one of the highest converting tools when uh, you're looking to get leads on board because it has this instant gratification feel to it. So you sign up and you don't have to wait. You can get it right away and consume it. So that's the lead generation part. And then the lead conversion part is that the person or the prospect that reads the book, when they then come to a sales call, they are no longer asking generic questions such as, well, tell me what you do, what are you about? What you're talking about then is their specific situation. So you're already an expert in their eyes which puts you in an amazing position. You know, your time is highly valuable if you're doing calls with prospects and imagine being able to, you know, really serve them and from a position of, you know, perceived authority in their eyes as opposed to having to prove yourself because you've already done it through a book. So a book is almost another team member, so to speak, that's, you know, the a whole, a whole team actually <laughs> because all these potential clients can find it through different means, both on your website or... On Amazon or in bookstores, if you go through a traditional or hybrid publisher. So these are the main types of issues that we help solve.
0: So give us some insights uh, into how your specific products and your services combine to solve this problem. Maybe even a case study or or, or might help us understand how you actually do it. Oh, beautiful prop.
1: Yes so I described two main types of books one is a lead generation tool this one is ours it's called outsource your book and in it we go through 17 steps of outsourcing every part of the book creation process so this is a lead generation tool because it's both on our website and I can send people to it uh, when I'm doing uh, talks for example on podcasts and it's also a lead generation tool because it's on Amazon it's uh, perfectly optimized for online sales. So when anybody's looking, you know, how to write a book, how to publish a book, how to market a book, this comes up on top. So this is how we generate leads. This book has brought us six extra figures in six months. I remember this because of the 6-6. Six, six. And now we're way into seven figures of extra revenue because we have this book, because we did it. And just to give you an example, we have a very sophisticated outreach program in order to find the prospects, find the clients that we want to work with, but not all of them are findable that way. So, for example, one of um, the entrepreneurs that found us was the co-founder of DHL International, Mr. Chung. He found Outsource Your Book. He went through it. He signed up to my calendar. And then we did a book for him for DHL's 50th anniversary. And there's no other way we could have found him because he's not on LinkedIn. He does not answer his email. There's a whole series of gatekeepers. So he would never have received a,
0: you he, know. Never, he would never go to a webinar and never do anything. Exactly. No.
1: exactly, none of that. But he did get the book. He ordered, when I saw the book, you know, when I had the first call with him, he had a catalog. He had a sticker on the spine with a number for his personal library. And for him, we did this legacy piece. So he was not interested in generating leads. He created a multi-billion dollar business. (laughs) When I suggested that he speak somewhere, like a prominent place, he's like, no, I'm not, not interested. So what he really wanted to do was to leave this legacy. He's done books. He had done books before. But this one was really his a work of love, something that he really wanted to share through his eyes. I think he, he worked with some other publishers in the past that were not able to convey what he really wanted to say. And through this book, he was able to do that. So it's a fantastic legacy piece for him and, and DHL and, and his family. So this will live on uh, long, long after he could you know possibly be able to share his story himself.
0: Oh, that's a beautiful story. I'm really happy that you brought that story up. A lot of my clients are family businesses, and I've got one coming up in one of my one of my upcoming podcasts, and, it's there, and they're in their fifth generation now. So in Europe, maybe fifth generation isn't a big deal, but in the United States, fifth generation business is a big deal. And I don't think, Alinka, that they've done what you've just described. Now, they have on their website, they've got old pictures and things like that, but they've never codified getting all of that into a book, and they happen to be in the in the hotel business. So having that book, if you will, in everybody's room, maybe even as a gift about the history of the resort would really be nice, too. So with your permission, I'm going to introduce you to them.
1: Oh, phenomenal. Thank you.
0: You're welcome. So uh, Alinka... Let you say, books anymore are not as unique as they used to be. Therefore, I know, because you've told me in the past, that you're in an extremely red ocean from a competitive standpoint. There's lots and lots of people that have got their fingers somehow or another in this whole book uh, phenomenon. So, Alinka, tell us how you differentiate yourself you and your team from all that competition. Tell us why our listeners should be reaching out and talking to you right away.
1: All right. I love this question. Well, when you look at the publishing industry, you're familiar most probably with traditional publishing. So that's what we've had for years where you need to find an agent, that agent, if they decide to work with you, will Pitch your manuscript to a traditional publisher, and then there's a bunch of pros and cons doing that, and we can go into it if that's of value. Then some years ago, like over a decade ago, something called self-publishing became popular, and it was mainly Amazon that enabled it through its program KDP Publishing, where basically anybody can publish anything. So there are no more I
0: was one of those. I was one of those 10 years
1: ago. All right. Yeah. So anybody can publish anything. When I found out about that at first, I said, phenomenal. This is amazing. I don't need to ask anybody for permission. I can just go and do it. That's very dear to the entrepreneurial spirit. So that's what I did. And that went so well that the royalties from that first book that I published back in 2010 were higher than my corporate salary at the time. And now it's unrealistic to expect something like that to happen. So I think it was beginner's luck big time, but it got me super excited about the publishing industry. And so that's why I dove in and that's not all. So you have traditional publishing, self-publishing, and then because there are pros and cons, and you know, one of the cons of self-publishing is that you don't really have access to traditional distribution, like bookstores and libraries. That's the big thing. And you also, if you don't know what you're doing, yes, you can publish anything. A guy published a picture of his food, but you're probably not going to sell anything. So if you don't really know what you're doing, it's really the market that decides if the book is valuable or not. And uh, I don't think you're going to, you know, make any bestseller list just posting <laughs> a picture If he might've manipulated the system and got two copies sold in a specific subcategory that time and, and he did get that bestseller status. Now Amazon knows that people can play those tricks, no longer allows for it. So I call it the best of both worlds, what I'm part of called hybrid publishing. So to me, hybrid publishing is when you allow the author to have the creativity and control that self-publishing gives you, but to also give them traditional distribution, which is a big time factor here. And we uh, work with Simon & Schuster as our distribution partner. So all the books that we do as paperbacks or hardcovers, they have the Simon & Schuster logo on it next to ours because that's how they're distributed. And this is a game changer because uh, an entrepreneur probably doesn't want to go and a 100 agents in order to maybe get a deal. But with us, you know, if there's a valuable idea, we can help develop that idea, position it so that it becomes a bestseller and get it into bookstores. And how are we different from others? Because we weren't the first ones that did this. There are other players in the market, but we are the only hybrid publisher that actually does two things. Gets you into bookstores and also guarantees you a spot on the USA Today or Wall Street Journal bestseller list. So we've got 172 offers on those lists as of this recording, and we're expecting to do this for many, many more. And we're the only ones.
0: That's fantastic. I, I did know that, for, that's pretty spectacular. And I know that you've, uh, seems to me that you also, for people that are not quite so prolific, is it be able to write a whole book that you've actually created a, a methodology that you can get people in a collaborative environment as well. Is that something unique to you or do others do something like that as well? And if they do, tell us how you're different in that little space as well.
1: Yes. Well, it's really expensive to put together a campaign to hit those big lists. So I came up with an idea to put together an anthology and spread that cost between the various authors
0: so So these authors sometimes bang on your door and yell and scream like that huh
1: they do sometimes they do that's excellent i love
0: i love the sound effects good job
1: yeah it's fantastic uh um business as usual right
0: yes exactly
1: business as usual You expect smooth sailing and you get, you know, people banging on your doors, windows, screaming bloody murder. Yeah. So, yeah, we did this anthology. Um, I'll show you. For example, uh, we did Quitless. This is the book that the co-founder of DHL International is part of as well. We did a bunch of others. And we got it on the big list. So I'm just uh, looking at my stash of papers here to show you. Well, I can't find this one, but I found another one. Example, Habits of Success. This is the USA Today bestseller list. And here we, here, we have it on the Wall Street Journal bestseller list. There's another anthology that we did. And uh, this way, instead of investing say, a six-figure sum for the whole thing, you're looking at a tiny fraction of it to be part of the anthology.
0: Okay, that's that's very nice. Thanks for giving us though. I love the fact that you got all these demos uh, from real experiences or real people. So I think we've got now a pretty clear picture of, of who, who your avatar is, how, what problems they have, how you specifically help them. How you are different from your competition? Two or three different examples you gave us. Okay, so we've got a real good understanding of how you uh, build uh, build your solutions, if you will, customize what you do for your clients. I think we got a good picture of that. And for our listeners, you know exactly what she can possibly do for you. And before we finish, she'll tell you how you can directly get a hold of her. A- a link of what we'd like to know now is you know, how you went about building your business. I know that you're the founder. I know you've built it from zero. And now you've, you've gotten yourself positioned to where you feel like you're an owner and not, if you will, the day-to-day doer. So go back, remind us or, or, or tell us about how you decided on founding your business, what some of the major milestones were, et cetera. And with your permission, I'll ask some sort of uh, drill deeper questions from time to time.
1: Yeah. Well, I, when I published that first book and I was still in the corporate world, I liked to share what I was doing on social media. And uh, as I was sharing that, people were coming to me asking if I could do what I did for myself for them. And so that's, that's how it started. I thought, well, yeah, sure. Let me help you with this marketing thing. Let me help you with that marketing thing. But something that I really noticed was that the books that I was asked to work on were not really done very well. So they were either not really positioned well in terms of bad title, bad cover, or terrible description, wrong categories, or they were written really poorly as well, which was actually secondary, <laughs> a secondary, secondary problem. And in many cases, I... I had to reposition the book, which was the faster thing to do. And in some cases, the author had to rewrite it, which was uh, pretty tedious. And nobody wants to hear that. Right? Nobody right. wants to hear that they should rewrite the book or, or else we're going to have trouble marketing it. But I would just say, you know, I can, I can start marketing this thing, but it's like carrying water in a bucket full of holes. <laughs> I'm not going to get very far. If we could just fix the bucket first, then we could actually do something here. So... I was also a part of a various you know, masterminds trying to figure out how to build something here. And at a certain point in 2017, I went to this mastermind in London led by Dean Jackson for like eight people. I think it was three days closed in a conference room in London by the river. And he asked this question. He said, what is the highest value thing you could offer your customer? don't think about the price they would have to pay. Just think about the highest value service that you could provide. And then I started thinking, I thought, well, what if, you know, instead of helping people fix something, I could be there from the very beginning. So when they have a book idea, I could help them position it so that it has the highest possibility of becoming a bestseller. And then bring in a team of writers to write it from interviews, and then come back in order to help them market it. And that's when it occurred to me, you know, this is just a full-blown, elegant solution that I can deliver. And I started looking online. I found out that there was already somebody who was doing this, and I was shocked when I saw the price points. I just couldn't believe people would pay this amount to, to do it. And I was looking for a way to differentiate myself. And one of the first things that I came up with was, well, we're going to do this for entrepreneurs because business has always been my passion. And we um, was good to start with a specific niche and we haven't really moved far away because uh, we're still mostly serving entrepreneurs. And uh, that's how it started. So I remember doing that mastermind still in London. I came up with a name, well, how about Leaders Press in that case? And uh, I went online I went to one of those, you know, GoDaddy's and uh, looked for Leaders Press and it was available. I remember Dean said, Oh, I can't believe it. Grab it right away. So I got Leaders Press, the domain, and then I started looking for potential prospects. And it was me, one assistant, and then we had a ghostwriter. So well, I did were, the first were you,
0: still, you still had a, a paying job at that point?
1: no
0: okay you quit okay
1: yeah, yeah. No, i i I left my corporate job in 2010 okay. and in, i put together leaders for seven years later um yeah 2017 in the meantime i was just doing like uh you know one-on-one things consulting maybe coaching just really trying to find myself
0: okay 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 good thanks
1: yeah. Uh so we were three people at the beginning. The very first book I did, I interviewed the the author. I didn't write I never wrote a single book for a client. I, I wrote my own. But we always had the ghostwriters write books for, for clients. Yeah, but I was very like I was doing everything else. <laughs> doing all the marketing, the advertising, you know, all the emailing for the for the company, for the author, you know, the cover. I was the project manager, the operations manager, the interviewer, the marketing person, the publicity person, the ads person, the, you know, everything. (laughs) I was my own assistant, you know, if you don't have an assistant, you are your, you are your assistant, right? So I was doing everything. And then slowly, slowly we started growing. So I think the first thing that grew was operations really. So we needed more people because I was really, really involved in sales for a really long time. I really just dropped that in the last couple of months that I basically am not on the calendar to do sales calls unless it's, you know, some uh, really close acquaintance, you know, just or from coming from like a really small inner circle uh, where it would be awkward to send somebody to my team member, then I would meet. But, you know, if you come through traditional channels, like through our outreach, then it would never uh, come to my calendar, but that's recent. Uh, sales was the last thing that I sort of let go of, and now I have an amazing chief business officer who's in charge of the whole outreach. And we have a, we share the vision for the company. So you know we're recording this in 2022, and we have a vision for what the company will look like in 2030. We share it, and we've looked at the org chart, <laughs> what it will look like, what we need to do to get there. So it's really exciting that it's not only me, <laughs> but also uh, him that has the same vision and is motivated. I think at, uh, maybe not, uh, maybe even as much as myself, you know, because okay. they, say, they say nobody's going to love your business or as much as you do, but I feel like we're close here. So it's really good to be so aligned on a goal as I am right now with my chief business officer. So that's where we are. We started with three people. Now we're 30 something. Five years later, since our third year that we're a seven figure business, we're looking into hitting eight figure this decade and probably mid eight figures by the end of this decade. So uh, that's, that's, that's where we're going.
0: (laughs) So, uh, okay, let's go back and revisit the history. So maybe out of the top of your head, what were the three major milestones, positive ones? And then what were the three biggest mistakes, Alinka, that you made in the last, you know, since founding, if you will? So milestone number one is you made the decision to start the business, went to the mastermind with Dean, got your name. Now we're in business, got a shingle. What yeah. other milestones can you remember that were significance that, Have some and and then tell us what you what the milestone was and then what you learned, uh, with that milestone.
1: Okay, so I have two. That was the first one. I have two recent ones. One dating back almost a year. So a major milestone was when we decided to work to look for a distribution partner, and now it's Simon and Schuster. I spent half of 2020 looking for a distribution partner, and had about four that I was. You know, having talks with so that was a big thing just even to know how to reach out how to how to talk who to talk to like you're not going to go through get through any official channel. the channel you you really need to know how to move around in these waters so being able to do that and signing up for this distribution partnership was a big deal it's a huge differentiator for us right now that's that's one previous Uh, i'm
0: I'm curious about simon and schuster's view of you are you (laughs) a big differentiator for them as well
1: they have uh, well they're a huge business so we for sure are probably a cherry on the cake for them like we add onto it they don't (laughs) need like it's not like they would fall apart without us for sure but uh, you know it's all the various uh, revenue streams multiple revenue streams we are a revenue stream for them so you know Why cut it off when it's something coming in for them all the time?
0: Okay, beautiful. So what was your lesson from from going through that negotiation? What did you learn?
1: That partners should click. (laughs) Because I was going through a series and series of interviews with another distribution partner. And there's just always something, you know. There's always something to go into, something to discuss. It was just dragging. And there was a mutual desire to work together but it was just so hard. And with Simon and sister, it was so easy. You know, it was, it was like two meetings, some paperwork, and then the agreement, and uh and it just clicked. And maybe it's because I already had the experience with the previous people that I spoke to and I knew, you know, what the conditions usually are and and, and what they're offering me. But also it was just, you know just clicked. It was easy. And also now it's, you know, pretty smooth sailing. There's, you know, challenges like with everything, systems, integrations, it, all that stuff. But, you know, as sort of on a human level, like with the person that I saw, it, it, it just clicked. So it's almost like in in love or in partnerships, like if it's, you probably can't have a happy ending to an unhappy journey. So the journey, uh the journey was happy. And, um, yeah. Yeah. That's my learning. I think it shouldn't be. Okay. Shouldn't yeah. Be difficult. I love it.
0: It's beautiful. Give us another milestone.
1: Another milestone was something we did in 2018. So between the two milestones, when I first orchestrated a USA Today uh, bustling launch. So that took out like six months of, or seven months of my life (laughs) to organize that. But it was a big deal. Like we were still very young at the time one year. And we got the first, we got a Leaders Press book on that list. And and that was huge. I was so exhausted after that, that I didn't repeat it for several years. But then, yes, but then I, you know, Got my ducks in a row and came up with a strategy. And then we started doing this, you know, as as part of our uh, package. And that's a huge differentiator. And a lot of people come in for that. So the the learning from that was, I think that you can package something that you first do as a passionate effort. So this was a dream, was a passion of mine. I wanted to get on this list myself. And once I was able to do it once, then... I eventually got the confidence to be able to pull it off again and again. So that would be another, like, the more I think about it, the more I see these milestones. Hiring my chief business officer.
0: Yeah, I thought you'd go there. I was expecting that to be numbers in the top three. Yeah.
1: I think we're at four now. But that, okay. was, that was a huge deal, a big deal. It's, uh, you know, you want a self-managing company, you want a self-multiplying company in the language of strategic coach group that I'm part of. And, and if you have a who, you know, that brings in the how, then you don't have to learn everything. So one right person, even if they're expensive. <laughs> One right person can make just such a big difference in in your quality of life. And that's what's happening here.
0: Yes, indeed. All right, let's go back and tell me about a couple of failures, big mistakes, maybe two. We can go through a couple. And also, then what did you learn from those mistakes?
1: Well, what I did really early on, I did my first book and a company reached out to me. Asking, uh, saying that they found my book interesting and it would be a really good good material for an infomercial if I would be interested. And I was like, "Wow, yeah." And that there's this interview they need to interview me to see you know if I'm worth it. So I did this interview, and then they said, "Yeah, it's great material. We just need a small production fee uh, of about twenty thousand dollars." <laughs> and I didn't have twenty thousand dollars at the time. So I went to the bank and asked for a loan and and the bank gave me a loan. I was like, well, the bank believes in this. Then for sure, I'm going to become a millionaire uh, once, you know, that thing airs. So I did the whole thing and it supposedly aired. My sales didn't increase, you know, at all. They remained what they were previously. And then I ended up having to pay this loan off for the upcoming seven years. So what my learning from that was, um, you really need to ask people in your in the industry who, for their opinion because I would never have done that if I had not been a member, for example, of a mastermind that I run right now. now. I run a mastermind for authors. If somebody comes in and asks, "Hey, this company wants me to do an infomercial, what should I do?" I'll be like, "No way!" I did not. Ha- I didn't know anybody in that world yet. I asked a right. co- corporate lawyer, and they're like, "Well, it looks okay," <laughs> but. I asked the wrong person. So learning is that you need to be part of an ecosystem of like-minded individuals. Now I'm part of multiple masterminds. So if I have a problem, I go and ask in in two, three different places. I get different answers. I can move on. I can find the answers. And it's not me. I don't have to reinvent the wheel or, you know, do something stupid. So I can take the road less stupid, as Keith Cunningham says, right? So masterminds, Uh, that was an expensive mistake at the time. Another one, another one. I feel like team members need to be treated in a balanced manner because I, sometimes I feel like I get too enthusiastic about, potentially about a team member and put them on a pedestal. (laughs) And I did that a couple of times and they left. And so the learning from that was, I don't know what I was doing wrong there. I think there might've not been enough communication on what their expectations are. I think there was not. And now I'm, I was just talking about our chief business officer and how we click, but we share the vision and he knows exactly where he stands in that vision. So I, these are conversations that i learned to have. Uh, and to learn to know what's going on in people's lives. like I know intimate details of personal relationships, sometimes strategies that are happening in my team members' lives. And when they open up, I'm able to navigate sort of around that. And if I know there's like a tough call, you know, I'm not going to deliver the bad news the very same day that somebody's divorcing person. So I think I, I learned also to, one of the big things that you have to do when you're an entrepreneur and managing people is to know when to talk and when to keep quiet. <laughs> so there's a lot of things that you don't say, and when people know that they can confide in you and this will not come out, then you have more, you know, more information, more to leverage, and uh, you're be- you're able to, to 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 grow better really, and and you can also support. So then when people feel that you support them in those difficult moments, they become loyal, loyal to the company, which is a phenomenal trait. You know, sometimes we, uh, I've seen people that we've brought on board and after a week they quit because this is, you know, too challenging, too fast paced, too this, too that. So when I look at people who've been with me for three, four or five years, I I feel immense appreciation (laughs) For their loyalty and desire and enthusiasm to to be here, so a lot of it is being a psychologist, sure <laughs> learning to read it. people.
0: Yeah, you're you're you're, that's, you're you're very insightful. Thanks for sharing those those, those beautiful lessons of yours. So, what's holding uh, you back right now? What do you see as your major obstacle, twenty twenty two?
1: Well, right now, what we're doing is we're. You told me this. <laughs> we're making this transition, so really into you mentioned the three transitions when we spoke earlier. So we're really transitioning to having our systems together, into myself not being a an a owner operator, but being an owner investor, as you beautifully put it. So these are these are the things that we're that we're working on. I do want to be able to. take a month off and know that we're growing at the rate that we're supposed to be growing. I don't need to be part of it. That's the dream.
0: Beautiful, beautiful. So how can our listeners get a hold of you and your organization? So maybe I know you've got several stakeholders out there. So kind of go through and tell us, if I'm a potential author, how do I get a hold of you guys?
1: If you're a potential author, the best place to go to is leaderspress.com. And there's a button that you can click on, and you'll go through a quiz that will help you identify which type of book is best for you. It's a one-minute quiz, and we talked about lead generation books, anthologies, lead legacy pieces. That one-minute quiz will tell you which book is right for you, and you'll also get into our system and we can start having a conversation. So that's at leaderspress.com.
0: Okay, but well, what if somebody wanted to get hold of you personally? I know your calendar is closed, but how could they maneuver around that? Could they you find know, you on I... LinkedIn? Well, how would they get a hold of you?
1: Email me at alinka at leaderspress.com.
0: Beautiful. So, uh, I asked a bunch of questions. Uh, maybe I missed one. So can you think of a question, Lincoln, that I didn't ask you? for, hey, I wonder if one Bill's going to ask me this question. So if, if, if you've got one of those, great. Tell us the question and give us the answer.
1: So the question is, I think, you know, what should I be doing right now? And to me, the answer is uh, get started on your book. And how do you get started on your book? Uh, go to a bookstore or go to Amazon, start looking at various bookshelves or categories and start thinking, which category uh, does your book belong to and when you have that look at the books on the same shelf or in the same category and ask yourself the question well how will my book stand out why should the reader buy my book and not another book and then when you have that start writing your outline or you know if that seems like uh, too much work come to leaders press
0: yes oh beautiful beautiful okay excellent excellent so thank you, Alenka. You've been fantastic, you demonstrated your multitask capability with a little with a little door banging monsters, and it was fantastic. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And they've been quiet. I mean, they're probably asleep by now.
1: Oh no, they're not. Thank they're you not. so okay. much for your patience, Bill.
0: No, I love that. I love that. I love. I love the future of the planet. Right there, demonstrated. So everybody, look, in closing, and Alinka nailed this very, very well, and that is this single fact. Our businesses do not become extraordinary in a single moment. Instead, they get there as a result of the owner first learning and then applying a proven combination of having the right mindset of a dedication to a system of management. And number three, you heard this loud and clear, leveraging a high-performance team. So thanks for listening to us. Alinka, once again, thanks for being here with us and sharing your fantastic time and energy.
1: Oh, thank you so much, Bill.